Hey y'all, I'm Melanie. And I'm Jason. And you're listening to the Old North State Podcast. We're bringing you on a deep dive into all things North Carolina. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Yes, welcome back. It's good to see you. You too. So I have a fun fact for you today. Do you? I do. Do you know what the state beverage is for North Carolina? He needs some milk. That is correct. Uh, milk is the state <laughs> official state beverage for North Carolina. Uh, and 17 other states, including South Carolina and Virginia, also have their state beverages being milk. I think we should change it. To cheer wine. To cheer wine. Yeah. I'm glad we're on the same page. Either that or like... Pepsi. I was going to say pickle juice. But Gross. Yeah, that makes sense too. Pickleback drinks. That would be a good poll. What should North Carolina state beverage be? Twitter oh, it up. Speaking of polls, the other day on Twitter I asked if North Carolina had a style of... Well, actually I asked if Charlotte had a style of pizza, what do you think it would be? And my options were... Gosh, what were they? Oh, a Krispy Kreme glazed donut crust. I think that. I, I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. That or having like a biscuit style crust. Mm -hmm. Or having some type of barbecue on top. Or having Bojangles seasoning on top. Which one would you choose? I picked Bojangles. Bojangles. Because you know how Domino's has their like um, herby crust? Their what? Er oh, herby crust. Herby? Herb. <laughs> Herb infused. <laughs> herb. Well, it's got like herbs on it. You yeah. know, put butter on it and they sprinkle herbs and Parmesan on top. You think Bojangles seasoning would be good on the crust? Yeah. I think so too. We have to try that. Get a someday. pimento cheese pizza with Bojangles seasoning crust. Now we're talking. Boom. Absolutely. TM. I just trademarked that. Uh, I get all the royalties. We'll have to DM Sapienza's, our favorite Charlotte pizza place. See if they're on board. Yeah. It's funny how milk is the main beverage, and both of us are, like, high-key lactose intolerant. Mm-hmm. That's oh. because we're not supposed to be able to digest milk. Yeah. But Thank here we you, are. World War One and World War Two. I wonder what other states who don't have milk have as their... It has to be, like, tea or something. It's not like they had, like, a... When they're handing out states, it's not like they had, like, a... <laughs> bunch of and <laughs> state. drink options you're not gonna have find someone who has like rc cola as you their might state. google it to see if anyone has rc cola mm -hmm. while he's googling that um today we are going to be talking about charlotte's very own serial killer so just want to put a trigger warning if you are uncomfortable with you know talking about homicide well we'll be we will be mentioning um, rape and sexual assault, so if that makes you uncomfortable, feel free to skip this episode. Um, have you found it yet? So none are for RC Cola, as you'd imagine, but I did want to see what other ones would be. Um, and it's for Alabama, it's whiskey, which I'm <laughs> kind of jealous. Arizona, lemonade. Arkansas and Delaware, milk. Florida, yeah. orange juice, of you course. it's not Arizona iced tea. It's a funny story. Oh, <laughs> Um, when we went to Arizona, when I was, I don't know, it was 1999 or something, my sister asked for iced tea and they came back with hot tea. 
because they didn't understand that she wanted a sweet tea. <laughs> well, when when not in Rome, uh, <laughs> you may need to specify. That's true. North Carolina <clears throat> is its own little country. Not every state has a state beverage. A lot of these are milk. Coffee. Coffee milk. Interesting. Okay, so back to Henry Louis Wallace. We, yes. We've actually talked about this before. We have. On another podcast. The Devil, the Witch, and My Wardrobe. Yeah, it was our first live show at Petty Thieves Brewing in Charlotte, North Carolina. And um, I read it for the most part, but I heavily edited your notes because... Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how uncom- uncomfortable true crime made me. Um, so, like, when I was talking about the list of um, his victims, I really shortened, like, how they were killed and stuff, because that stuff just does not sit well with me. Yep. But I am living my brand. Yes. Strictly educational purposes. Yes. So, I'm going to start and get into it. Like I said, trigger warning, this case heavily involves with homicide, obviously, sexual assault, and there's also um, some discussion about drugs, so if you're uncomfortable with that, please feel free to skip it. You won't hurt my feelings. Yeah, next episodes are going to be much lighter. Yes. So, Henry Louis Wallace was born on November, I think it was the 28th, I think I deleted the date. Anyway, who cares? He was born in November of 1965 in a small town called Barnwell, South Carolina. In 2010, the population of Barnwell was 4,750. So very, very small town. I believe Barnwell, um, I was going to say it's an upstate, but I would be lying because I'm not sure. Anyway, after high school, he joined the Navy and was honorably discharged in 1992. While in the Navy, he started using drugs, including crack cocaine. And for those who don't know the difference between cocaine and crack cocaine, because I did not, crack is the free-based form of cocaine that you smoke as opposed to um, snorting. In 1988, he was arrested for breaking into a hardware store in Seattle, Washington, to which he pled guilty. A judge sentenced him to two years probation. Wallace started his murders in his hometown of Barnwell in early 1990. His first victim's name was Tashonda Bethay. Tashonda was an 18-year-old high school senior, and their mothers worked together at the same factory. He murdered her and then dumped her body in a lake where she was went undiscovered for weeks. Police questioned him regarding Tashonda's appearance, but he was never formally charged. And still to this day, he's never been charged with her murder. He was also questioned around the time in connection with the rape of a 16-year-old girl, and I found a copy of a news article on kind of like a Reddit-type website that described Tashonda's murder as just completely brutal, and I'm not going to go into details because I think hers was probably the most brutal, Um, and the autopsy discovered that she was actually still alive when he threw her in that pond. That's terrible. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, just a, a side note real quick. Do you remember when we were at Pins Mechanical about a, a year ago and we were sitting with some of my work colleagues and some of their that friends girl. and that random woman was like, oh yeah, like I'm obsessed with all things serial killer. She was you like, know, I know all the serial killers. I know all every of single them. one. And so just <laughs> offhand, I was like, oh, like, have you heard about 
what I say, either the Taco Bell Strangler, I think I said, yeah, so or the his, Charlotte Strangler. His monikers are either the Taco Bell Strangler or the Charlotte Strangler. And we'll explain that in a little bit. But, and right off the bat, she was like, no. And... So you don't know all the serial killers. Yeah, like, it's... Also... She's in Charlotte. I feel like she never thought to, like, just Google Charlotte serial killers. Like, she's that passionate about it. I well, just thought that was... you know, it's... This... He's not pretty like um, Ted Bundy. You think Ted Bundy is pretty? I do not. I think Ted Bundy is horrendous. Well, good. <laughs> good. Thank you for saying that on record. Also, um, like, celebritizing yeah. serial killers is gross. For whatever reason, he didn't, um, I don't know, he, you're not, I was about to say you're not going to see a Netflix special about him, but you literally watched uh yeah, like a there, TV special about him. There um, is an ID special on him, and I'll go into that in a little bit um, because it has to do with our sheriff in Mecklenburg County. Um, but I'll actually get into that in about five sentences. So, okay. sorry to hold distract the, you. Hold that thought. I might do that to lighten the mood throughout. <laughs> That's okay. In February of 1991, Wallace broke into his old high school stealing video and recording equipment, but was caught trying to pawn them. And I couldn't find uh, whether charges were brought against him or not, or if he received probation. Um, so after that, Wallace relocated to Charlotte in November of 1991, where he began working at several fast food restaurants in East Charlotte. And like we said, he worked at a Taco Bell, and he also worked at a Bojangles. So um, in order to kind of fully understand what was going on in Charlotte, in the early 90s, it was an extremely violent place. Police had their hands full. Drugs were rampant. Violent crimes were just through the roof. And Charlotte had a huge cocaine problem. In 1993 is notoriously known as the deadliest year in Charlotte history. There were 129 murders. And to give you guys some perspective on that, um, 2019, there were 109 murders. And in 2020, there were 123. Both were like big deals. Yes, no one so, was content with those numbers. Yeah, no, obviously, you know, crime has been on the rise. I think in like 2017 or like 16, there were only 47 or something like that. But it's it's been a big deal here if you don't live in Charlotte and you don't understand that these numbers are abnormal. Um, and Sheriff Gary McFadden, who uh, he was actually a homicide detective during this era, and he was featured on the investigation Discovery, the ID channel. Um, Is that part of Discovery? Yes. Station now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I watched it on Discovery Plus. Big fans. Big fans yes. of Discovery Plus. Yes. So the documentary that they made about this is called Bad Henry. And in this documentary, Sheriff McFadden said that the difference between 2019 and 1993 was that in 1993, most of the murders were drug-related as of and which is opposed to current and these uplifting numbers, not uplifting, these rising numbers, rising, they're yeah. more sparked by arguments. Um, and just a note about Sheriff McFadden, he actually had his own TV show on the ID channel. I don't remember what it's called, but just if you don't know anything about him, he's very showy. Yeah, he's definitely and like a storyteller. He's definitely a storyteller. He's definitely very uh, TV kind of minded when it comes to 
these things. It was called I Am Homicide. I Am Homicide. Yeah, I've watched With a couple Barry episodes McFadden. of it. It's. And then there's also Homicide City, Charlotte. I think Homicide City has different um, cities, though. I don't think it fully has to do with Charlotte. Oh, he just had an episode? Yeah. <clears throat> Either way, and they say Charlotte's never in the news. Charlotte's never in the news, unless... Ooh, it was on SNL, though. It um, was in it SNL. Was... Gateway to Gastonia. Gateway to Gastonia. <laughs> Keenum, or he said we were like the bacon capital, but he, he said meant... banking. I could have swore he said bacon. He and said it was banking. Definitely, he definitely meant to say banking. <laughs> <laughs> well, he maybe he was just so jazzed up about talking about Charlotte. Who wouldn't get jazzed up talking about Charlotte? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. Wallace's second victim and his first victim in Charlotte was named Sharon Nance. Sharon had gone out one night to hang out with her friends and did not return home. She always stayed in touch with her aunt, and her aunt knew that something was wrong when she didn't hear from her. Sharon was a sex worker, and when she demanded payment for services, Wallace beat her to death and then dumped her body by the road tra railroad tracks in May of 1992. Sharon was actually a friend of Sheriff McFadden. Um, he said that when he moved to Charlotte, because he went to Johnson C. Smith, he got off of the train, and she was, like, one of the first people that he met. So, he he, he took her death pretty hard. Wait, Sheriff McFadden you're yeah. talking about? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, he's in um, that documentary. Yeah. He said that she was, like, the second or third person that he met. Interesting. Yeah. Um, in June of 1992, Wallace raped and strangled Caroline Love, who was a friend of his girlfriend's, in her apartment and later dumped her body in a wooden area. After killing Caroline, he was with Caroline's sister Kathy and his girlfriend when they filed the missing persons report. Police originally thought that she had just left to get away for a few days, um, and at this time a lot of black women had gone missing and a lot of them were sex workers. So, they still didn't have, like, a direct link to them at this point. Yeah, and it's also, it's not like friends and family were able to, you know, track their phone or see yeah. if they've been checking in yeah. anywhere. It was much harder to keep tabs on people back then. Like, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, it's 1992. So, police were trying to figure out if there was a pattern there, um, and they included Caroline in their quote-unquote grouping of these missing sex workers because they knew that there had been foul play involved. They just couldn't find um, that link that they needed. Yeah. So Wallace later admitted to visiting her remains at least three times. And um, I saw a quote from him saying that uh, she looked like E.T. Because her body was so decomposed. That's terrible. Yeah, I know. That's a, a also a pattern with him is... Um, mm -hmm super narcissistic where he'll like go to their funeral so yeah yeah um, and he filed the missing persons report for her even yeah. though that he knew what he did anyway so caroline's body was not found until march 1994 when wallace led police to the site after confessing to her murder caroline was a charlotte native she worked as a cashier at bojangles and for over two years for over two years, she worked there, and she was also studying nursing at Central Piedmont Community College. Finley has entered the chat. Hello. So, um, Henry didn't strike again until February of 1993. 
And at the time, he was a supervisor at the Taco Bell on Sharon Amity Road, where he managed Shauna Hawk, who was actually a friend of Caroline's. On February 19, 1993, he raped, sodomized, and strangled Shauna in her home, leaving her body in a tub full of water. Before he left, he stole $50 from her purse, and he also stole her car and abandoned it at Central Piedmont. She was also a student there. Police realized that her murderer was somebody that she knew because this person knew enough about her to park her car in the same spot that she parked in every day. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, Shauna was godmother to a two-year-old, and her mother knew that something was wrong that day because she hadn't gone to pick up her godson at daycare. Shauna was the second child and only daughter to her parents. If you go to findagrave.com and you look her up, there's a beautiful memorial on her, and she's remembered as a beautiful, sweet, gentle, shy, and a saintly young woman, and she was very, very close to her mother. Um, she attended college in the morning and then worked at Taco Bell at night, and she was studying to become a paralegal. Henry attended her funeral um, as if he wasn't the one who had murdered her. On June 22, 1993, Wallace raped and strangled another co-worker, 24-year-old Audrey Spain. Over the next two days, Audrey's supervisor tried to get in touch with her since it was really unusual for her not to show up for her shift. And her supervisor eventually was the one who called 911. Officers responded and even knocked on Audrey's door, but they didn't get any response, so they left. And a maintenance worker was actually the one who discovered her body on June 25th, so three days she went undiscovered. And Wallace told police that he thought that she had the combination to the safe at Taco Bell. And that's why he murdered her. Because he wanted, he wanted that yeah. money. Ugh. Were you going to say something? No. Okay. Almost two months later in August, he raped a friend of his sister's, Valencia Jumper. After strangling her to death, he poured alcohol, alcohol on her, I believe it was rum, and then set her body on fire. Her death was originally ruled an accident, despite the fact that she didn't show any signs of smoke inhalation, and they marked that on her autopsy report. So what he did was he put food on the stove, set it to high, lit a match, and just left. Um, so police thought that the fire was accidental, which is why he was never tied to her murder until he admitted to it. He also attended her funeral. Valencia was a senior at Johnson C. Smith, and she was studying political science. The next month, in September, this is still 1993, he visited the apartment of his friend, Michelle Stinson. Michelle was a struggling college student with two sons who um, also worked at Taco Bell with him. In Michelle's apartment, he raped her, strangled, and then stabbed her in front of her oldest son, who was three years old at the time. Michelle was only 20. She was discovered by a friend who had stopped by her apartment. The friend heard the children knocking on the window and they told him that their mother was asleep on the floor. And he thought they were just playing a game, but when the oldest son came outside, he, I guess he had blood on him, so the friend um, discovered her. Yeah, knew something was wrong. Yes. So, um, Henry kind of laid low for a few months. Um, on February 4th, 1994, 
Wallace was arrested for shoplifting, but at the time his connection to the murders had not made or had not been made since the police still thought that all of these were individual homicides. He didn't have that calling card. Yeah. He didn't He wasn't BTK. He or... wasn't BTK. He wasn't, you know, putting bite marks on them like Ted Bundy. He he was killing all of these women um in different ways too, and robbing so, them. You know, mixes up. Yes. Um, but that's something that you see with a lot of these serial killers is they'll lay low for a while. Mm-hmm. Almost like they've gotten their fix and they're trying to call it quits. And then next thing you know, they have that itch again. Well, he had that itch because he was addicted to cocaine. Um, so since he was arrested for shoplifting, he didn't turn up for his court date. And a warrant was put out for his arrest, but there's no record of any attempt for CMPD to try and apprehend him. Which, at the time, I guess this wasn't a violent enough crime for them to do that. But, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, let the system handle it, see if he gets That's, picked up for something else. Yeah. So, just over two weeks later, so this is kind of middle, end of February, 1994. In her apartment, he strangled another co-worker named Vanessa Mack. She was found by her mother. Um... Or her friend. So I read in one source that it was her mother. And then on the Bad Henry documentary, it said a friend discovered her. But... Well, in some cases, they can be both. That's... Okay. No. You're right. I love you, Mom, if you're listening. <laughs> um, she wasn't discovered until the next morning. And one thing that I would like to note was that the news didn't make any report of her murder that day. So... Um, you know, she was murdered. They found her. No reports about her murder that day. You know, you know how... It didn't even make... Didn't even make headline news, which, if you know me, you know, I am very adamant about victims and how the media portrays them. Um, but Vanessa probably had the most severe injuries. Um, she was strangled, and then he basically tortured her, so he would strangle her until she kind of passed out a little bit and then he would loosen up the towel strangle her again um until she would pass out and then loosen it again so she'd wake up so he he did this several times um he stole her credit card and then tried to use it and this this is actually what i find very interesting so he tried to use it and at the time in 1994 they had pictures on atms by this point but you know, it's 1994, it's not going to be good quality. So they were able to get the picture, but all you can tell is his gold, his gold cross earring. How ironic. It was a gold cross. Um, so Vanessa was a Charlotte native and she worked as a patient escort at the Carolinas Medical Center. She had two daughters. One of them was seven years old and the other one was only four months. Okay, so this is where it's going to kind of get a little squirrely when it goes, you know, about the timeline, um, just because <clears throat> everything happened very, very fast when it, March hit. So just bear with me. On March 8th, 1994, Wallace robbed and strangled another co-worker of his girlfriend, Betty Jean Balcom. He choked her, but she resisted, and then he stopped at one point. So she asked him why he was doing this, and he told her that he was sick. And she said that she forgave him and said that he needed help. She even offered to help him get this help. 
but he killed her. So after killing her, he stole her car and then her TV, and he actually came back to her apartment and stole her VCR. So he pawned off these items and left the car in a shopping center, and the shopping center was actually across the street from where he killed her. So it's the Lake Apartments. Um, so she, uh, Betty Jean was known to her friends as Susie, and she was originally from Laurel Hill, North Carolina, and had just turned 24 the day before she was killed. She had come to Charlotte to do better and provide for her three-year-old adopted daughter, and she was trying to earn enough money so that she could attend college in the fall. So that same night, again, this is March 8th, he went back to her apartment, like I said, um, stole her TV, and then he went to another apartment of someone else that he knew named Brandy Henderson. He raped her while she held her 10-month-old baby and then strangled her. He also tried to strangle her baby, but um, the baby survived, um, so I'm not going to say his name. And after that, Henry stole some valuables and he left. He had actually gone to Brandy's apartment before he went to Betty's, but Brandy's boyfriend Lamar was home. Brandy was only 18 and was still attending high school at the time of her death. She was buried in a pink dress holding a photo of her son. And Lamar, her boyfriend, was the one who gave police Wallace's name as one of the only men that Brandy would have let into their apartment. So by this point, you know, they knew, okay, he might be a suspect, but... Yeah, he's definitely, um, I mean, he's, I hate saying this, but doing everything wrong, um, where he's <laughs> continuously going after people that he knows and know him. Yeah. So that know each other now. So, yeah. So they pulled his rap sheet and in the photo of him where he was arrested for that robbery, he had oh that same stupid earring on. Good. So what an idiot. Yeah. So. Um, Just, when you <laughs> no, that's smart. Keep doing that type of stuff. Right. If you're going to commit a crime, be stupid about it. Yeah, please. <laughs> Um, so when you hear Sheriff McFadden talk about this on the documentary, he's like, okay, we got him. Like, do you? You got something. <laughs> you have a clue. A clue. It's almost like confirmation. Yeah. Um, to keep barking up that tree, because. Yeah. All the signs are there. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so Brandy was found before Betty was, and these, they literally happened within an hour of each other. Or, not an hour, but, you know, a few hours. So police were like, okay, let's, you know, ramp up patrols um, in the complex. So this complex is in East Charlotte. I'm not, I don't know the exact road that it's off of, mm -hmm. but I'm, you know, it's, all of his murders really happened within there. Um, so p by this point, police had recovered Betty's car, which was, like I said, it was literally right across the street. And another thing that he did that was really stupid so he wiped all of his fingerprints off of the steering wheel and, you know, the ignition and the handle on the driver's door. But, but this idiot did not wipe his handprint off of the trunk. So they got a palm print. Oh. So your palm prints, if you don't know, um, are just as... So they did a palm reading? They can tell <laughs> when he was going to get married or... Lose yes. someone close to him. <laughs> so, like, your fingerprints are 
um, unique to you. So are your palm prints and so are your ear prints. If you didn't know that. I did not. Your ear prints. So if, if like you commit ear, a crime. Like format or? Your, your ear. I don't know. Like, or are there imprints on your ear? Like just the way that your ear looks. I feel like my ear hairs would wipe out any evidence clean. Well, see, if you, they stamped your ear. Hmm. And, you know, you know, so like if you were to put your ear up to a glass door, it would leave a mark. Yeah. And if they were to stamp your ear and then stamp it like they do fingerprints, they would be able to tell, okay, this person's glass ear mark is the same as this. That makes sense. I, I think it was CSI that I saw when I was younger that um, siblings all have the same type of earlobes or ear prints, I guess. Not earlobes ear are lobes. genetic. Exactly. So. See, On my ancestry.com, right. no, my 23andMe told me that I was less likely to have attached earlobes, which I have detached earlobes, so. Yeah, all the good ones have detached earlobes. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I have anyway. to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, they had his handprint, or it, it was his palm print, and so, you know, they ran it. They knew that it was him. They knew it was him at this point. Mm -hmm. So... They talked to his ex-girlfriend, but his ex-girlfriend had no idea where he was. And somehow he managed to slip through entering the lake apartments one last time. So at this time, he robbed and strangled Deborah Ann Slaughter. And Deborah was a co-worker of his at Bojangles. He stabbed her 38 times. She knew that it was him. She knew that he was the one who killed Betty and Brandy. And he killed her for it. Deborah was 35 years old. And not only um, working at Bojangles, she worked as a deli clerk. And at the time, she left behind an 18-year-old son. So, Wallace was finally apprehended on March 13, 1994. He was hiding in his friend's apartment bathroom. And he confessed to 10 of the Charlotte murders and the Barnwell murder. And then also confessed to raping all of them. So, um, they knew by the time, you know, they got everything, um, together, the only person that they did not have tied to him was Valencia, like I said, because they thought her death was an accident. That's the on fire one? Yes. <clears throat> yes. So CMPD, that's the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department, got a lot of criticism for not catching him sooner, and they were accused of neglecting these murders because all of the women were black. Dee Sumter, who is Shauna Hawk's mother, she's very vocal in trying to bring this neglect to light because she really wanted the same attention to her daughter's murder that any white woman would have gotten. And like I said earlier, 1993 and 1994 were two of the worst years for homicides and violent crimes in Charlotte. And um, in 1993, they only had seven full-time homicide detectives. So oh when you God. do the math, that's over 17 homicides per detective. Yeah. So that's, you know, I'm not defending them, but they had their hands full. And CMPD was also unable to you know, make these connections like like we talked about earlier because he didn't have that calling card that most serial killers do. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until March 9th that they warned people, okay, there might be a serial killer here. 
and then four days later, he was caught. So, um, CMPD also asked the FBI for assistance, but the FBI said, no, this isn't a serial killer. Yeah. It's like, um, gosh, what's that show called? The one that I love, Mindhunter, where they were, yeah. like, first becoming, like, the FBI agents, like, first looking into serial killers, um, when they were in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a fight to even, like, be there and get attention for it. Yeah. Just because of it's who the, the same victims thing. are. Yeah. It's, and, and as we talked about in Black History Month, I will, this is a hill that I will die on, that victims of color do not get the attention that they deserve. Um, so Wallace's trial did not start until September of 1996, and the trial was delayed because of venue, DNA evidence, and jury selection. So just so people understand, DNA was not a big thing in the early 90s. It was still kind of a quasi-science. It's not what we see today where it's like DNA match. Yeah. 100%. Like, it was still some people... It's still not there. It's science. not what CSI looks like yeah. on TV. So, the prosecutor wanted the death penalty, but Wallace's defense attorney asked for a life sentence, arguing that he suffered from a mental illness that stemmed from physical and mental abuse from his mother. And he, his state-appointed psychiatrist for the trial said that his mother would force he and his sister to beat each other up and that his mother would sometimes dress him in girls' clothes and parade him around their neighborhood. That's messed up. That is very messed up. I agree with that. But that does yeah, not give you an excuse to murder. I get, like, it's... You know, we're just having a, a conversation about this. We're not professionals on the subject matter in this case. But um, it would kind of make sense how there's definitely that, like, not hint, but um, he only killed women. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he killed women that he was close with. A lot of them are bright young women, so I almost feel like there's a sense of, I don't know, definitely misogyny. It's the whole power thing. Mm -hmm. He sees a lot of up-and-coming women who have promising futures, you know, whether they're studying to be, like, nurses, paralegals, things like that, and, you mm -hmm. know, he's... A lot of them had kids. Exactly, so... His defense attorney also argued that these murders were not premeditated and that the motive was robbery for drug money. Like I said, he was addicted to um, cocaine. However, I could see that as being reasonable doubt. However... The one victim that he strangled, brought back, strangled again. Yeah, he tortured her. He tortured her. I don't care what anybody says. There becomes a point where that's premeditation. Yeah. It can be premeditation within the moment or... He also raped them too. Yes, so... so... Yeah, obviously they don't agree. <laughs> yeah. Um... So his trial lasted for September, four months and on January 7th, 1997... Wallace was found guilty on his crimes. He received nine death sentences, ten life sentences, and 322 years for other charges. So that would include the rapes, the robberies, um, probably the arson. And he was never charged for the murders of Sharon Nance or Tashonda Bethay. And while he's been in prison, he has confessed to more murders. And these were while he was in the Navy. 
and he is currently on death row at Central Prison in Raleigh. And North Carolina has not executed an inmate since 2006, so it is likely that he will die on death row. And it's important to note that because he has admitted to killing more women, that police think he might have more victims that weren't just murder victims. So as recently as 2014, a woman came forward thinking that he's the man who um, attacked her at on Billy Graham Parkway in 1992. Um, so I mentioned Dee Sumter before. That is Shauna Hawk's mother. And her godmother, Judy Williams, founded the Mothers of Murdered Offspring, which is a Charlotte-based support group for parents of murdered children. Mom-O, I think is how they call it, is still active today, and they are seeking to develop new and innovative violence prevention and substance abuse awareness strategies. They offer assistance with candlelight vigils, funeral arrangements, grief management, and their goal is really to help families during these very tragic times. And I believe that Judy recently just passed away, I think in Aww. October or November. So, but they did recently have a, um, a march. I think they had a march back in December. Um, I saw it on the news, but they are still active today. Um, feel free to go donate to them. I've donated to them before. Um, really great organization unfortunately, given the circumstances. Yeah, just a little, one of those lights that comes out of dark times. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. that's all that I've got. It's tough talking about these things. We always talk about usually like, I don't know, funny, interesting topics, but this is definitely a part of Charlotte history, North Carolina history and history in general. Yes. It's not doing anyone any favors to not talk about it there is evil like this that exists in the world so mm -hmm. just have to be aware that it's out there we will have more true crime topics in the future mm. um. <laughs> i'm kidding they're interesting <laughs> it's just not my they're interesting yes not my um, cup of tea so i will post pictures of the victims on our social media on instagram these were very beautiful women they should be remembered um, especially since we're coming up on the anniversary of his capture. So look out for that. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, old North state pod. Of course. <laughs> Spooky CLT while you're at it. Yes. Um, and then go back and listen to our live show episode with, um, the devil, the witch in the wardrobe, Bridget and Wyatt. Cause they had some interesting topics too. Excuse my word vomit at the very end. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, the show was Friday the 13th themed. So they talked about um, like the origins of Friday the 13th and um, like a religious cult in North Carolina. Yeah, North then, Carolina's got some interesting cult stories. And uh, my thought was like Friday the 13th, the first thing I thought of was obviously Jason Voorhees, serial killer. And then I was like, oh, Charlotte has a serial killer. I should talk about that and kind of feel silly now. Um, but I wanted to end the episode with, on a lighter note. This is <laughs> the Taco Bell Strangler, of course. So what is your Taco Bell go-to order? Cheesy gordita crunch. Oh, man. Well, like, a chicken it. burrito. I can't eat any of that now, but... I know. I don't think anyone can. <laughs> so Baja Blast as oh. per drink, obviously. Yes. And then chicken gordita crunch is great. 
But I, don't, I didn't see it on the menu last time I went well, when I came home from the boy's house. Maybe the they have to keep it on a secret menu because people know how great it is. Yeah, people who are brave enough to ask for things off the menu. But, okay, one more thing. One more thing I want to talk about is, um, so most of the time serial killers will have these, like, cool monikers, like the Night Stalker or the Zodiac. Yeah. And, um... I know a lot of people in the true crime community are like, let's give these people, like, horrible names. And I think that the Taco Bell Strangler is a horrible name. Yeah, I I agree with you, but it, it, it I think it kind of <laughs> takes away from how terrible he really was, because it's hard yeah, not to laugh at. Yeah, that's the point. That's the point. <sighs> Take him down a notch. Yeah, so I guess they don't get the, the notoriety they want. Yeah. Like, Taco Bell Strangler. Taco Bell Strangler, ooh. The... Fast food employee killer. Right? Man, not, nothing against people that work at Taco Bell. No, They're absolutely. the backbone of our society. They are. Apparently. They deserve 15, $15 <laughs> minimum wage. Uh, $27 are... minimum yes, wage. Yes, absolutely. Um. Yeah, let's call serial killers terrible names yeah. so that they stop killing people to get the notoriety. Absolutely. I, I, behind, I stand behind you in that. Thank um, you. What are we talking about next week? Um, the Grove Park Inn? No. No? It is Women's History Month. Oh, okay. So we're going to be talking about two women pirates. I mean, technically they're just pirates. True, but <laughs> we'll get into it. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. This and more later. <laughs> All right. Same bat station. Same bat channel. Um. Yeah. Okay. Goodbye. Okay. We'll see you later. Goodbye. Sources for today's episode can be found on our website at anchor.fm slash Old North State Pod. If you want to send us a topic suggestion, a funny story, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at oldnorthstatepod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Old North State Pod. Cheers, y'all!